And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Doc Manson at Doc Manson. Why is it always that the end of things is always the busiest time? Do you do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I mean, usually there's a deadline of some sort and all sorts of things that have just sort of, you know, been falling to the wayside, actually have to be tidied and addressed and. Yeah, it just sort of all piles up, I guess, at the end, DC, uh, at the DC Matthews. I, I think that's been my my experience around the ends of semesters and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, yeah, why? Well, uh, you've got some things finishing up. I, obviously, it's approaching the end of the school year. So is that what you're alluding to? Or It is. It is. It is. We've got. Um, oh, my, let me do the math here. I've got eight days left. Seven with the kids, one with, you know, just kind of packing things up and putting things away. Um, But it just seems like, you know, report cards are due. You got to figure out who's going where for next year. You're trying to figure out uh, who you're getting the following year. Uh, You know, you may not remember child. I want you to go back to childhood. Do you remember when you were in school? Did you know who your teacher was before the summer? Like you're in third grade, you're going into fourth grade. Did you know who your fourth grade teacher was? Or do you think that information came over the summer? I am fairly certain I knew whose class I was going to be in. Yes. I could be wrong, but I think I think I knew that I was going to be in Mrs clocks class when i went to second grade despite the fact that her name was clark but i could not pronounce that at that age so i was going to mrs clocks class i'm pretty sure um i knew that ahead of time why how does it work where you are well that's the thing um we supposedly you know, we get some sort of weird amnesia every June. And there's always this argument over, well, did we give them, you know, did they know last year? You know, do they need to know? Some people say they don't need to know. They can find out over the summer. It's fine. And some people are like, no, they should know. So that way they can, you know, maybe we have a nice little thing near the end of school where you meet the teacher and all of that sort of thing. Um, And so that's been a, you know, a question because we've made lists. And again, you probably wouldn't know the answer to this, how it even worked, you know, how, yeah, no idea. how it works for us. Give you, give you a little inside the classroom here. Uh, the teachers sit down. Um, our, our special education department goes first. So if they have students who need specific teachers for one reason or another, they make those decisions. Um, and then once we get that, we use that as a oh, basis. Oh, please tell tell me there's a draft. Tell me there we, is. We have talked about it. We have <laughs> we have talked about it. Uh, and what we would do though is you would pair your high flyer, your your sweet kid, your academic achiever, your young Doc Manson, to put it another way, as a gesture with the strawberry. I'll eventually eat. Uh, you pair them with your troublemaker, 
your 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 child that needs a little bit of extra help your young GQ and you then like you have to take them as a matching set if you want the great little doc you have to take little GQ to go with him oh i will trade you two mediocre students in exchange for my for my little GQ so we don't do it that way we do sit down though mm. and and you know think about okay you have to make sure that one class is not too boy heavy you have to make sure that this one class doesn't have too many academic because we don't track it's not like we have honors level like you do in high school um you have to make sure there aren't kids who didn't get along in a previous grade or all of that so there's a lot of variables but honestly it's just all right, this group looks good. Let's put this together. And then it has to go get checked. The gym teacher has to look. So if there's something that he knows about that we don't know about that he might be able to offer. Um, the the first grade please, teacher. Please, please, please. I think that's the first time in the history of ever somebody said that the gym teacher has something to offer. <laughs> Did you enjoy gym class as a kid? Um, It was fine. I think gym class throughout high school especially towards the end there, we had this one gym coach and he was basically of the opinion that if we just played capture the flag every day, he didn't give a shit. And so that's, I think that was basically physical education throughout a good portion of my high school. How many years of PE did you have to take? Cause I remember what I don't remember. I think I had to take three. So senior high year, school. I didn't have to take it. Yeah. That, that sounds right, but I, yeah. I don't, I don't fully recall, to be honest. That sounds right. Though. Again, as a... And that was a joke about physical education teachers. I'm sure I, I, I didn't mean it. I'm sure they have plenty to offer. Do we have, yeah, you know, balls, pennies, cargo nets, whatever, whatever equipment you need. Um, <laughs> do we have any gym teachers that listen? Why are you worried about offending people? Oh, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure people knew that I wasn't looking down on their choice of career. Although let's again, be honest, nobody chooses to teach physical education to high schoolers. <laughs> to high schoolers. It's kind of where you end to up. high schoolers. Yeah. Um, again, folks, I worked, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I worked with a PE teacher people. years ago who had been a minor league baseball player. Not anyone that like had made it to double a triple a, anything like that, but he well, had his pictures. Yeah. From his, minor, from his minor league career up in the gym that you could go look at to prove that he was, you know, somebody special. I'm sure that really impressed the students. No, they didn't care. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. I don't even have my PhD on the wall of my office. Like I work at like an academic institution and that's like, you know, a thing that people do. I, I don't even know where my PhD is. I never framed it. Like I You didn't frame it. No. I what I if somebody wants to, like what if somebody needs to see it? Who needs to see it? I, I, anybody I needs me know. to prove my my um credentials are gonna ask for days. a transcript. So uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Not something I've my ever parents, been proud of. My parents framed my master's degree. And they were like, you're going to want this. You're going to want to hang it up. And I was like, why? It's in, uh -huh. I can see it. It's like in a closet. 
like on a shelf in a closet. I don't know why I would ever hang it anywhere. Like I said, I, I mean, I have an office. I, I feel like that's the thing that you do at a college is you put your credentials on the wall, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's never appealed to me. Speaking of which, when I left, when I last left you, yeah, it was last Wednesday. You had just started your summer intense, oh, yeah. intensive class. You had many more lectures to do. How are those going? Great. I, I, I am almost, man. I'm almost halfway through uh, making my slides for tomorrow, so I got very far ahead. Hey, you know what? There, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing day-to-day types. What are you drinking over there? What is that? It's a truly hard seltzer, strawberry lemonade flavored. Is this Tasty. the only? Is this the only alcohol you're doing these days? Pretty much. We have another type of seltzer downstairs. It's not truly. I forget who made it. Um, Devil Dog Distillery, maybe. I don't know, but it's. I forget what it's called, but it's like a mixture of orange juice, peach juice. And cranberry juice with vodka in it. Okay. And it is quite good. It's quite good. It's 10% alcohol by volume, which is also insane. Uh, Mrs. Manson drank half the can and was flushed. So. <laughs> she sounds like me. My, my tolerance is quite low. Um, yeah. So things are good. Are you enjoying the lectures themselves? Yeah, the lectures are fun. The lectures have been fun, honestly. Um, once I get up there and just start talking, I just talk. And I forgot how much fun it could be. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, maybe, but after the first lecture, it can be fun. Do you do voices? No, not really. Not really. Do you? Of course you do. I teach children. (laughs) So why are you? Why did you have that look of surprise when I said that I don't? I don't know. Are your slides funny? Do you put little bone mows in there? You know, I, I sometimes I do funny stuff, but not nothing this summer. This summer I'm just going through the motions. So, I mean, don't. So then, I, what's, I, really I guess I'm, what I'm trying class. to figure out is what's fun. Oh, I don't know. Just talking and saying whatever I want, and you know, engaging the students and asking them questions and making them answer me. I don't know, like the process of teaching. It's a lot of improv. I mean, obviously, it's not funny. It's not comedy, and you're you're displaying information um, back to the students, but like it's a performance of a type. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed improv and going off the cuff and just sort of relying on your wits or in this case, maybe, you know, your, your knowledge of a subject and just going from there. And I don't know, there's something engaging about that to me. I like to think it's engaging to the students as well. Um, but I don't know, you know, trying to draw those comparisons and call back to prior slides. And remember when we were talking about this? What do you think that means in this context? And, you know, kind of trying to be a little bit more interactive than any teachers I ever had really in my career. Um, but not necessarily like I'm not trying to necessarily be entertaining. I'm not there to be, you know, put on a clown show for them. Um, they got to be there interested to learn. But that's are they? that's that. Are they? Some are. Yeah, some are. Are they there just to fulfill a credit requirement? Um, I would say there's precisely one person there who appears to be taking it seriously. And the rest, some are doing well. But yeah, you know, they're probably, most of them are just there for a credit requirement. Have you done an exam yet? We had our first exam on Monday. I was going to say, because these are accelerated courses, so you got to move fast. 
Yeah, so the first exam was Monday. Uh, average. What do you think, DC? What was the average on the first exam? Given what I know about bell curves, which isn't much, but also <laughs> what I know about you and your teaching style, I'm going to say that the average was, uh, am I giving you a numerical grade or a, a, a letter score? Numerical. I will go optimistic and say that the average score was 82%. Oh, I wish. I wish. Remember, so, this is this is summer school. Uh, almost half the class is retaking it for the... Is that either retaking it for the first or possibly second time? But um, shouldn't that mean that the score goes up? You would hope. 68%? 68.25 was the average, the mean on... The first exam. And that's not great. That is Does not that information come to you directly or did you calculate that yourself? Uh, I calculate it. I calculate that. I calculate the median. I calculate the standard deviation. I usually put together a nice histogram um, so they can see, um, you know, where they're falling into the different buckets, how many people are falling into the buckets of each grade. So, uh, but I use that to sort of check myself. Yeah. Was the exam fair? You know, I mean, because even though the average is at a 68, you can still look at the distribution. Do I have a normal distribution? No. And in fact, I do not have a normal distribution. But the thing that I don't, what I actually have is I have uh, a median that's slightly higher than my mean, meaning that they're actually skewed towards doing better than they are doing. There's more people in the class who did a C or better then there are people who did a C or worse, right? Just some people who did really bad. Is that what threw off your? Not so much. Honestly, there weren't even the outliers weren't huge. It's just that the, the actual mean in this case was basically centered around a 68. Um, but, you know, I'm able to look at the individual questions and none of the individual questions um, look like they were unfair. Um, they were all answered correctly by a decent proportion of the class. Most of the questions were what I would classify as differential. So, you know, they actually, they're not just gimme questions or, um, again, they're not just incredibly difficult questions. Seems like the exam was well made, although, again, that does shift. The shift, the average was shifted down about, you know, 10 points from where you wanted to see. And then the other thing I tend to do if I'm going to curve a class, I look at the standard deviation and I think it's more fair for the standard deviation to basically determine the size of the bins. So instead of, you know, an A being 90 to 100, a B being 80 to 90, look at the standard deviation amongst those people performing the class. And in this case, with a standard deviation of approximately 13, that would say an 87 to a 100 is an A, you know, an 70. 87 to a 74 is a B. That's very so generous of you. Yeah. And usually what I'll do is it depends on the performance of the class overall. But usually what I'm aiming for is to curve by placing the mean score at approximately a C, low C plus. If I feel like the class is doing really, but you don't want to just do that blindly because you could have a group of kids that are just doing really, really well with the material. You know what I mean? And so in that case, I would use my judgment to maybe move that set to a low to a high c plus or maybe even a low b minus probably at the highest you know so that way there is some allowance for 
how well students seem to be performing on a semester to semester basis. You you impress me on a regular basis, Doc Manson, and just the stats nerd in me rejoices hearing all of these things. And I don't even do you know, like I yeah. make I make spreadsheets, but I you know, and I can calculate mean. I've medium. got spreadsheets. I've got pivot tables. I've got histographs. Like you know, it, we're, we're we're doing this. We're doing this for reals. So, how much time did you spend breaking down that first exam? Like doing those calculations? Yeah. Not very long. No. I just put every I just dump everything into an Excel sheet and then I just type in some formulas and it's pretty straightforward. So, you know, five but minutes, ten minutes maybe. And are you doing that at work or is this something you're doing on your spare time? Um, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Look at you. Everything bleeds together these days, you know. So because you just never stop working. Uh pretty much. As soon as we're done here, I'm gonna go back to making slides, so you know, do you want to make them right now? We'll talk about it live. No, I'm good. I'm Doc good. makes slides on the air. That would be amazing. I've I've, I've got up to glycolysis. Um, I already did the introduction. Is that where they to take cellular. the hair out of your chin? No, oh, that's electrolysis. Yeah, yeah. This chapter is on cell respiration, and so I did a brief brief background on some components of cells because they haven't really had that in the course yet. It's not really part of the chapter, but I thought it would be appropriate to put, to put some slides in here about that. And then I moved into sort of a general overview of oxidation and reduction reactions because we've just got finished and we just got finished talking about thermodynamics, coupling reactions. And so now we're going to talk about redox reactions as a sort of more specific example of coupled reactions. Of course. And we'll talk about, um, you know, basically, how do cells make energy with different the three different processes used to make energy, the two different methods of making energy. Um, and then we'll talk about those three stages a little bit more in depth. We'll talk about glycolysis. We'll talk about I combine these as a as a single step pyruvate oxidation and uh, the citric acid cycle. And then the last process which we would call oxidative phosphorylation which includes the electron transport chain and atp synthesis do you see what just happened right now doc just first he took his uh statistics genitals and slapped them on the desk and that wasn't enough that wasn't enough because i was you know i could use some of those words so then he had to break out his science schlong title of this episode. <laughs> and not only, not only did he drop that on the table, he kind of smacked me in the face with it a little bit first before just slamming it down. It some made a hefty thump. Some people drop the mic. Doc, Doc does a little something different. Dropping that science schlong. <laughs> copyright 2022. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Well, all right. Uh, we don't want to keep you. And I, truth be told, I have a hard out uh, today, which is quite unusual. And once again, Doc has been very flexible. I look forward to two weeks from today. I'm in summer mode. And now I can be the flexible one. What do you got? What do you want? You want me to bring the recording equipment to the lab? We'll do it in the lab. Like, we can uh-huh. go all over the place. Uh there were a couple of wrestling shows uh, that happened 
over the last couple of days. Um, do you care? Oh, I have. I do have a couple of questions for you in regards to that. Up, oh, I saw the look to the side, the smile, and the nod. We're about to be joined by the first lady of the DDT podcast. Uh, she actually already came in and left. You're a oh, little wow. behind, but um, what you what you bring? Pie. This is a uh, this is cheesecake a pie cheesecake with with a strawberry sauce. Very good. Uh, my wife made an appearance, but you know, full disclosure, uh, we got home from uh, New Hampshire. I meant to ask why uh, Uncle Traveling DC was in New Hampshire earlier today, but I wasn't sure if that was an appropriate the, the, question for our podcast. Uh, so what happened was, so this is again end of the year stuff. What happens is, uh, as a teacher, I get three personal days. Um, use them or lose them. They don't yep. transfer. Yeah, we get two of those. So I, uh, you know, so you wait and for years and years and years, those were okay. I'm going to, those will be used for this wedding and this wedding and Doc's wedding and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and then now there wasn't any need for it this year. And so I had an extra personal day on the books. Uh, Mrs. Matthews had taken a personal day. She was going to go up to New Hampshire where we have two nephews, one who is eight months old, one who is four years old. And she was going to hang out with uh, her mom and the nephews for the day since the kiddos' parents were both working. And I was like, I have this personal day. I got to use it at some point. So I tagged along. So we drove up. Uh, I was climbed on like a jungle gym. Uh, <laughs> the eight month old fell asleep on me, which was adorable. Um, I watched, uh, some Encanto YouTube videos. We read a couple of books. We, you know, he made a day of it. I, I guilt tripped him into, or no, I used reverse psychology to get him to eat his chicken. Like it was fun, but yes. So we just got home. Um, and then there is a fairly important work meeting that my wife needs to attend, uh, at, in about 45 minutes. So I need to make sure that I am uh, <clears throat> offline so she can do that. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, this is also adds to the end of the year. In addition to report cards, in addition to all that stuff I was talking about, you throw some family stuff in. All it's complicated. It's, yeah. it's complicated. It is. It is. Um, I am presuming let's skip over in your house. You didn't know any of the names. Nothing happened there that I think you need to have any interest in um i'm assuming you did not watch hell in a cell i'm assuming you didn't even know hell in a cell was this past weekend i think you told me it was last week but sure i don't know um are you familiar with the whole cody Rhodes story of the last few days i saw a picture of him with a giant bruise on his chest that is all i know all right i don't know um, how he got it i don't know what happened after Cody suffered last week, I want to say, maybe at Raw. He had a big pull-apart brawl with Seth Rollins. They were going to have a Hell in a Cell match, and actually did. Uh, Cody suffered a partial pectoral tear. And this was known before Hell in a Cell? Yes. And then Thursday of last week, I believe I have the timing right, he's training and tears it the rest of the way. So now has a full pectoral tear. And so obviously this calls into question. This is going to be the main event of the pay-per-view. This is going to be the only um, 
Hell in a Cell match at the pay-per-view. And so what are you going to do? Supposedly, supposedly, the story I heard was that WWE doctors said, well, you've already fully torn it. It's not like you can suffer any more. Like, you can't tear it more. It's already fully torn. Um, It's going to hurt like a bitch. But you could probably still wrestle, which sounds very much like a WWE doctor. And so he went out and had a 20-plus minute Hell in a Cell match uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. Um, He won that match, came out the next night on Raw, claiming that maybe his injury wasn't so bad, gets attacked by Seth Rollins, and is now, uh, I think he has surgery scheduled for tomorrow, and he'll, of course, be out for a few months repairing and rehabbing um, that torn pectoral muscle. That's the end of Cody Rhodes being a big deal in WWE, huh? I know. He had a good two-month run. Two months? Three months? How long has it been? Six months? I don't even know. Uh, Not long, but uh, the... The response that I, again, what I have seen on Twitter, the fact that he was willing to work through uh, excruciating pain in order to keep the storyline going, um, everyone assumes now that, you know, he'll get an even bigger push when he gets back because he's proven he's a company guy and will take one for the team and all of that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he he was a company guy regardless, but... My question, you know, yeah, it made for a great picture. I didn't watch the match. I truthfully didn't watch the match. I had heard it was not a cell match. It was just a, you know, weapons, no DQ match that had a lot of, you know, Seth Rollins pretending to jab a kendo stick into the pectoral muscle and Cody Rhodes screaming. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I could watch Saw if I wanted to watch, you know, torture porn or whatever. Um, Saw movies are actually pretty good. I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know if I would classify them as torture porn. Okay. Uh, so I watched, you know, the first maybe five minutes or so. Um, here's the thing, though. Had Go this on. happened in AEW, had this been, if Cody did this in AEW, I, I know myself, I would have torn AEW up, down, and sideways for allowing Cody Rhodes to wrestle in such a weakened condition. You're not, you know, you're not being a safe company. You're not treating these people like all of that. So you admit that you're a biased and untrustworthy source of opinions in this instance, because again, Hey, I don't love that. They let Cody do it. You could have very easily found a replacement. The rumors were going around that Cesaro was coming back to WWE. Bray Wyatt was coming back to WWE. You could have made a phone call, signed either one of those guys. There's a storyline that could have worked for that. Uh, you could have had any number of people fill that role. Um, but, you know, so I don't love that WWE did it, but I do know myself well enough to say I didn't scold them on Twitter the way I would have commented on AEW. There is, I, I have never said I was not biased, which is probably a double or triple negative. I am biased. I have a WWE bias. I fully accept that. I'm trying not to. I'm excited to watch Dynamite tonight because it's going to be Buddy Murphy versus Neville. That match is going to be good. But, uh, I, you know, it, I do find it interesting that um, 
And I noticed it on Twitter. A lot of people who would have criticized AEW were now like, wow, Cody's a trooper. You know, think of how good Vince is going to treat him now. So it's worth noting. All right. Okay. You ever, you ever torn a muscle? What's, what's the biggest injury you've ever had? I know you broke an arm, question mark. Hyperextended my left arm when I was much younger. Made a hairline fracture up the um, humerus. Um, that was not pleasant. And then I also sort of broke some knuckles in college. Punching a wall. On my right hand. The wall, the, wall. Hit, the, wall, the wall fell on me, DC. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were going in a different direction on your right hand. And I was like, you did something so hard. You. Uh, yeah, I, I was manipulating my science schlong. This was before I knew properly how to wield it. And um, yeah, it, it, it caused some damage, DC. Did you actually punch a wall and break your knuckles? Yes. What were you mad at? I don't remember. I've punched walls before, but never have I hurt myself. Well, it was a concrete wall, so. That would do it. Yeah. Where was it? Dorm room? No. Union. Okay. Wow. I have to imagine it was drama related was it was it, it probably drama was did you not get... i don't really was remember the, the oh no you weren't there for the herald i was gonna say was the herald no. that bad but you weren't there for the herald yeah. um wow it was freshman year so it was early on but I, oh I, that is rav related rav rom rom was it rom or rav it was rav have we told that story before no this guy who gets up so so you know, we have this initial meeting where we're both part of the honors. Program. Oh, that was Rom. Rob was Rom. a different person. No, Sarav was a different person. Oh, Sir Rob. Also worth punching something for. Yeah, I will I agree. say that. That's who I thought you were talking about. <laughs> uh, no, we're we're you know, it's like the second day of school. Uh, we're at some honors orientation. Um, and this guy named Rom gets up in front of everybody to talk about how he wants to start a drama group. Um, and needs help and wants to recruit people. And so Doc and I, this is the whole reason we met, really, um, what, you know, we're among the people to sign up to help with this drama group. And then Rom disappears off the face of the planet, and we just start the drama group, not in spite of him, but just without his help at all. Um, he was the idea man. He gave us the idea. I'll give him credit for that, but he did very little else. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think about that meeting sometimes that is one of the most important meetings I have ever gone to, because not only, um, do I formally meet tall guy, you, and a number of other people who became friends of mine through college. Um, there were some girls that joined that committee and they happened to live with, Mm. uh, my future wife. And your future wife. Hmm. Now that might not that technically they were all in the same building. So I mean, a lot of people lived in the same building. Well, yes, but I'm just saying. Uh, we, while our paths probably would have crossed in some way, like 
two of the most important people in my life I meet as a direct result of going to that meeting and deciding to start that drama group. So it's funny how that works out. It is funny how that works out. Um, <clears throat> would you have wrestled a 20-minute match with broken knuckles or a hyperextended arm? Knuckles? Yeah. The arm, I'm not sure it would have worked out. Probably not. Yeah. Ah. Uh, you know, the pay-per-view wasn't bad. NXT wasn't bad. There were a couple of good matches, but uh and then supposedly because of the, you know, Edge had his own little stable of wrestlers, his heel stable. Uh he got kicked out of that by the new leader Finn Balor. So now Edge is going to probably be a babyface again, and everyone's attributing that to the fact that with Cody gone, they need a new top babyface. So they So they chose the 60-year-old Adam Copeland to be their top babyface. Uh, hey. Okay. I don't make I don't make decisions for that company. So, uh, are you excited for the Miss Marvel show? Let's change gears here. Are you excited for the Kenobi show? Why do you ask me questions you know the answer to? Are you excited for Jurassic World Dominion that comes out this Friday? No, I saw some. I saw some headlines of early reviews today. They have not been favorable. Interesting. You don't want to see Jeff Goldblum back? I don't care about Jeff Goldblum anymore. He was interesting 20 years ago, but he even has like his own show now. I don't know if it's on Amazon the or world something. according to Jeff Goldblum. And it's just him like being the most aloof Jeff Goldblum you could possibly imagine. Oh, I just listened to a 70-minute podcast Conan? of him. On, yes. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, but I just, I don't know. Like I, his, I like his shtick is funny. I have appreciated it prior in my life. I just feel like I've had, like, if I had a Jeff Goldblum compartment, it is now full. Sure. I don't know. Uh, the podcast was good. Um, there was a little bit too much. We all appreciate a good tangent and stream of consciousness, but there was a little bit too much. Let's spend 20 minutes talking about actors who died 40 years ago. But. It was also, you know, it was more entertaining. Uh, <clears throat> anything else from the world? Is there something exciting in your life that won't be your piece of positivity that we can talk about before we go to our emails? Um, not really. Is it? Well, I mean, this doesn't really count as a piece of positivity, so I guess I'd like to mention it. You had sent me a, a tweet. Oh, uh, yes. And I was already aware of this, but you sent me a tweet basically indicating that one Dan Reichert had returned full time to Giant Bomb, which ostensibly is a good thing. I like Dan Reichert. I think he's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of creative energy, uh, chaotic good in some ways. I, I will say, I think my Dan Reichert compartment is also uh, approaching full. He also has this sort of heel shtick that he brings to everything. He's He's very much a pro wrestling guy. He, yeah, he was actually just most recently working for the WWE. Sure. Um, yeah, doing but, working there in their podcast arena until they realized they didn't want to have anybody podcasting. Right. And so, like, he, he does very much play this heel persona, which is fun, but it just, I, I just, I, I long for someone who can also be a little bit more real sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know. But anyways, I do like Dan Riker. And I think in, in, a, in a setting in which he is harnessed correctly 
Uh, he can be very good. One of my favorite all-time series on Giant Bomb, um, This Is The Run, was him and uh, Vinny, Vinny Caravella, playing through old classic games. And like these were like very hard games. Like They played through like the first Contra as one of the seasons of this show. And every one, what, like the, the shtick was, this is the run. Like We're going to play through this game in one sitting. And, you know, the, the okay. next time they would come in, like, ah, oh, that last practice run was close, but no cigar. So this is this one. This, this is the run. And it would go on until they eventually beat it in a single sitting. I love that kind. That was one of my favorite ones. But anyways, long story short, the other thing that got announced alongside his return to Giant Bomb was the departure of founder Jeff Gerstman. He is the only he was the only remaining founder of Giant Bomb. And to me, Jeff Gerstman is Giant Bomb. He was the guy who was fired from GameStop because of giving a negative review to Kane and Lynch. The fallout from that resulted in him starting Giant Bomb, bringing on Ryan Davis, Vinny Caravella, Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro, uh, so on and so forth over the years. He, he, he was the core of that, and he's been there now for you know 15 years. And on Monday, it was announced through a very PR-heavy corporate-speak blog article on Giant Bomb that the company and Jeff Gerstmann would be going separate ways. Huh. Um, Jeff Gerstmann sent out a tweet and said, apparently this is my last day at Giant Bomb today. Huh? Wow. And yeah, and so to, I don't know. Um, seems like something there happened kind of last minute. It's not clear what the details are. I doubt that we'll ever know. Maybe we'll know in 20 years, but we're not going to find out now. Um, and yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of the new crew they brought on over at Giant Bomb is interesting in their own right. And I don't want to take anything away from those guys. They are all super cool. And it seems like they've got an audience and people who really like them. Um, but to me, like the heart of Giant Bomb was Jeff Gerstmann. I feel like he he is Giant Bomb. That was a site that was originally built off the poor personalities of four guys. Mm-hmm. And now all four of those guys are no longer there. And I mean, I heard, I honestly, after the other three guys had left to join, to start Nextlander last year, um, it's been a year, only a couple of days ago that that started after they left i trailed off from giant bomb i stopped enjoying the podcast i think i spoke about it here the mix of personalities weren't really my thing anymore and so on so i actually had phased out of giant bomb i had unsubscribed from my premium membership already that was i've been supporting them since a premium membership became a thing back in 2009 2010 i don't know so i kind of drifted away for me it was already kind of over um, but then, yeah, to hear that Jeff Gerstmann was done, I was just like, oh, that's really it. Giant Bomb is dead. But at the same time, as I said in my reply tweet, my, my reply tweet Giant Bomb is dead. Long live Giant Bomb. Because, of course, Giant Bomb will go on. They've got a crew of nine people there now. It sounds like they've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of new creative juices. Dan Reichert is a content making machine. So I have no doubt that they're going to put some really cool stuff together. In fact, one of the first things they put out after hearing uh, Jeff had left, they, they put together this video, which was like a seance of them doing it over Zoom, like pretending they're in the same room, but clearly not like with the green screen and like doing a summoning. And like eventually they summon this giant floating head of Dan Reichard and he's doing his heel thing. And 
it was it was weird in all of the ways that old giant bomb contact old giant bomb content was weird and wacky and fun and which i really enjoyed and i saw a spark there where i said well i might have to still check this out actually um but you know so that's interesting but i do feel like the giant bomb of old the giant bomb that i loved for 15 years is now gone long mm-hmm. and dead. It felt a little bit bad for Jeff to be dumped. So unceremoniously, clearly something happened there with some PR speak. Um, yeah. He's already started up his own thing. He basically woke up the next day and said, I'll be on Twitch. He launched a Patreon while he was on stream. <laughs> you know, he started a podcast feed while on stream. He recorded the first episode of his podcast. He did a watch along the same day. I haven't subscribed to the to the Patreon, but I will be checking it out and paying close attention. I likely will subscribe at some point if only to kick a couple dollars his way. But the other thing I will say is he now has, I think, approximately 6,000 patrons on his Patreon. And if everybody is subscribed at the minimum level of $5, he is making $300,000 a year, just him. Um... So I don't feel that badly for him. I think he's going to be just fine. It does make you wonder at some point PR is going to kick one or both of us out and it'll be DDT wrestling without doc or DC. Absolutely. Think think of the money we'll be tracking in when that happens. Oh, let's think of it. Oh man. $12. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Email. Well, I'm I am sad to hear, you know, that always kind of stinks when something you you do kind of create at the ground level eventually becomes so big that it goes beyond you and you no longer need to be a part of it. That's always a weird sort of thing to have happen, but it does sound like I love that energy. Yeah. Like, here, I'm going to stream. That's a very and maybe we got this from Giant Bomb. Like that's a very DDT thing for us to do. We're going to while we're recording this podcast stream, we're going to put our Patreon page up. We're going to we're going to do a commercial for I've the Patreon page. The chaotic energy of Jeff Gersman. Um, I, and I, I would say I take a lot of inspiration from him, certainly. So very knowledgeable elder statesman of video games journalism. If you don't know who Jeff Gersman is and you're into video games, I mean, you, you fucking should. You should ch- you should check out Jeff Gersman. All right. Um. We don't have time for it today, but there is something that we have need, we need to go back to. I have watched um, all of the, at least the first part of In Space with Markiplier. Oh, yeah. And I think I've started part two. I want to go back into it again, but maybe next week uh, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more in more detail. All right. Uh, but right now we need to get to our emails, podcast at ddtwrestling.com. We have four of them with this week. Our first one comes from Che, that time of week. I am hmm. only seeing three. Okay. Oh, no, there's the fourth one. It just came in. Okay, Che, that time of the week. Evening, gents. How is GQ doing? How are you two doing? With Cody and Edge out of action for a while, is this the year Kevin Owens finally makes or gets the Money in the Bank briefcase? Peace and love, Che. Um... GQ is doing well enough. I spoke to him fairly recently on the telephone. Um, after he listened to the podcast and heard I had my difficult day at work, he called immediately to see if I was doing well. He's a him. good friend like that. 
Um, we commiserated for a bit. He said he was interested in popping on VDT to join us for an episode to excellent, you know, have some fun on the airwaves. As long as I promise to keep it PG, mm-hmm. I told him I would not bring up dragon dildos or science schlongs. So um, I have made no such promises. You have not, but I have. Uh, I have no control over you, of course. So I don't know. Hopefully, we'll get to hear from him soon. Maybe. Well, hold, yeah. Hopefully, summer. he's yeah. I, we both. His window washing business tends to ease up in the summer. He's it's it's weird that he specializes in winter window washing. I love the alliteration, but uh, hopefully this summer, yeah, we'll have some time to get together. Uh, how are we doing? Uh, we're busy. Yeah, busy, busy, busy. We're busy, busy. The difference is Doc's busy um, gives him money. <laughs> I will say I've been busy enough for long enough now that I'm kind of like. Do I even really want this money? Do I need this money? Yeah. I'm kind of starting to think about, wouldn't it be nice to just have free time? Yeah. My my level of busy got me um, smothered with a pillow by a four-year-old today. That sounds all right. Yeah. Uh, with Cody and Edge out of action for a while, is this your Kevin? You know, no. maybe Edge is injured as well. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe. Um, is this year Kevin Owens finally gets a briefcase? I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say no. that the winner of the Money in the Bank briefcase this year is John Cena will win the Money in the Bank briefcase. This I year. think it's going to be Braun Strowman. Okay. That would be a great way for him to control his narrative. Sure would. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, John Cena's coming back. To celebrate his 20-year anniversary with the company, he's coming back at the go-home show before Money in the Bank, I think so, or maybe two weeks before, and for some reason, I was just like, you know what, calling it, he's going to enter the match, he doesn't have to be in fantastic shape, he can win the briefcase, disappear for months at a time, eventually he can come out, cash in, steal the belt from Roman, that's a way to get the belt off Roman if they wanted to, and then you could potentially do Cena and Roman at WrestleMania. So, and, yeah, I don't know. Kevin Owens seems like he's very content with the WWE. He just resigned, yeah, probably to a massive amount of money. But I kind of feel like he's a known quantity in the WWE. He is what he is. I, I've never seen any sign that they're interested in pulling the trigger on him at any higher level than what he is. So don't get me wrong. He is a main event talent. But I don't think they see him as the guy. I, don't, I just don't think that's the role that he's ever going to play for them. Uh you know, he made he technically main evented night one of WrestleMania with Steve Austin. That was a big deal. Uh, at Hell in a Cell, he wrestled Ezekiel. Are you familiar with Ezekiel? Yeah, he's um, some guy's brother. Elias's twin brother. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Seems real cool. Uh, it was not a bad match. I'll give him that. Kevin Owens does not have bad matches. Uh, I'd like to see him do something. But with only one world title, kind of makes it difficult now. With Kev- Roman Reigns being dual champion, holding both the WWE and Universal Belt, um, you know we've seen Kevin Owens fight Roman Reigns already. I don't think we're going to see that again. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with John Cena. You heard it here first, everybody. Our next email is from Glenn. It's a chore. Hi guys, having a bit of a tough time of it at work for reasons too long to go into here. Ah. But it got me thinking and prompted this question: What's the worst job you've ever had? Feel free to change names to protect the guilty. Thanks, Glenn. The hmm. worst job. I haven't had that many jobs, so let me think about that for a second. Uh, for you, it's probably Taco oh. Bell. 
in hindsight, it was not a good job, but at the time, it was bad. With the Come exception on. of the time that my friend had to leave to go drive one of uh, our coworkers to a gang fight, nice, that was a little weird, nice. Um, the worst job I have ever had was the day I had to be a substitute teacher at an urban middle school. And I spent a lot of the day trying to get people off of each other's laps. Lovely. That was what not was a the fun age again? It was middle school. So like sixth through eighth grade. Gross. And there were, there were people, I won't even use gender. They were people straddling each other, making out in class. Um, yeah, it was bad. I did that one day and I was like, I will never do it. I would rather work at Taco Bell for the rest of my life than do that job again. That's fair. Um, so what's the worst job you ever had? You can't say the current one. The current one. <laughs> I just don't like managing people. People are the worst. Um, but if I had to pick something else, I don't know if it really counts as a job. I'm going to say it does because I got paid. Um, but I'm going to say it was by grad school. Like, that, the, the bad thing about that is you're just not in control of your life at all. You, 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 you sign up to be in somebody's lab and suddenly they're holding the keys to everything. They decide if they're going to sign off on your proposal um, yeah. or your, your dissertation and like on everything, every little thing. And then you've got somebody who's insisting that, that you write this thing, despite the fact you're supposed to stick to the format of an official of an official uh, uh, grant proposal. And you've got other members of your committee who say, well, why didn't you stick to the official format? We're not going to sign off on this because you have to stick to the official format. Meanwhile, your PI says, no, 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 you have to have this, even though it's not part of the official format. And then you just feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And these people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars won't let you move on with your fucking life because apparently it feels like they have to have their little science schlong fight over you. I don't know, like just slapping each other around with it. And you're just caught in the middle and you have no control and you just feel completely helpless and it drags on for years. And every time your parents ask you, are you almost done with grad school? And you tell them, yeah, I think it's gonna be about two more years. And you say that for six years in a goddamn row. And it kills your fucking soul and leaves you with a generalized anxiety disorder and a fucking feeling like, was this worth it? Of course it wasn't worth it. And uh, just completely changes any sort of outlook or joy you might have had in anything that you looked at or studied or and want nothing to do with any of that fucking shit anymore. And yet here you are stuck with it because that's what you're trained to do. You have any more of that cheesecake? I wish that was the last slice. Yeah. Nate writes in <laughs> email time. Hello, gentlemen. After a very enjoyable and worth my money and time, hell in a cell, I'm optimistic and enthusiastic about wrestling over the summer and life in general. A mini movie boom is coming up over the next few months, and I'm really excited. What do you guys enjoy most about summer? What's your biggest pet peeve? Hope you both have a great night and stay well. Best regards, your bestie, Nate. I'm presuming pest pe the biggest pet peeve is in regards to summer, or does he mean in general? I was going to say in regards to summer. Yeah. 
I think that's and I was going to say mosquitoes. Mm. Mosquitoes can fuck right off. I'm going to say I have found lately, and I think I have been spoiled. I have lived in a house with, or lived in a place with central air long enough that just I can't handle heat anymore. And I feel like the last couple of summers, there have been too many days that are so hot that it, there's no point in leaving the house. Because what I enjoy most about summer for me, being a teacher who doesn't have to work summers, is freedom. If we decide we're going to go up to New Hampshire and we get a hotel and we decide we're going to spend three days, we can make that decision at 9 a.m. and be in the car at 10 a.m. Um, if we decide we want to go strawberry picking and spend the entire day making jam, which we've done before and are going to do again, we can do that. If we decide we're going to head off to the coast and you know go get a lobster roll or go to an ice cream place, I, I saw on our local TV station, they had the 20 best ice cream spots in our state. We were like, let's see how many of them we can hit this summer um, with high gas prices, but still, we're going to do it. So I, the thing I love most about freedom about summer is freedom. My biggest pet peeve is when it's so hot that you can't do that. You don't feel like you have freedom. You're like, we just need to stay inside where it's cool. But that's me probably being a first world entitled uh, brat. Really, mm, mm. Mosquitoes suck as well, though. I'll give you that. I just like sunlight. I like having mm. long days. That's probably my favorite part about summer is having daylight until 830 at night yeah, here it's 6 45 and it's perfectly bright out that's beautiful during you know the the winter months here you'll get out of work and it's already dark at four o'clock yeah and you just get home and you're like i want to do nothing yeah you get on your couch and you're like everything is over this is it yep. the day is done terrible it's awful but yeah during the summer you get home and you're like i'm gonna go do some stuff with the lawn ah let's go get ice cream let's go to the grocery store let's do things let's live let's have life um, that's my favorite part about summer around here. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Manson with our last email confessions, dear DC and doc, I have a confession to make for the life of me. I can't successfully make a pot of rice. It's embarrassing. Doc is well aware of this. Sorry, doc. I'm fully capable of making many wonderful dishes in the kitchen. And of all things, rice baffles me. How do I manage to overcook and undercook it at the same time? It's a special skill, I guess. Okay. I spilled. Now your turn. Share with me one of your kitchen confessions. Kind of like group therapy. It will help me feel less shame. Hugs to you both, Mrs. M. Uh, I am not a professional culinarian, but if I had, to, and I don't know what kind of rice you're talking about, Mrs. Manson, but if I had to guess based on the rice that I do make, your issue is temperature control. You either have it on too high or too low. And so you're either burning it or you're not letting it cook enough. Rice needs to be, you bring the water to a boil, you dump the rice in, you turn the heat down, and you let the ambient temperature in the rice, or the ambient temperature in the boiling water cook the rice. That's what I know. But I'm, the, I'm making either instant white rice, or I'm making like the Near East pilaf. I do make risotto, <clears throat> but I consider that to be a separate thing. Uh Doc, you're very smart not to weigh in. You've said nothing. You've been too busy. I think you've been checking your nails. I have nothing uh, to offer this conversation. Uh, What's a kitchen confession? 
One of my own kitchen confessions? That's what she said. Now your turn. Share with me one of your kitchen confessions. I always default to scotch chicken. That's not really my confession. <laughs> That's a good confession, though. Yeah. We talk about that at least once a month. Yeah. Oh, at your um, place, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, I don't know. What's that one hill you can't get to? What's that one? What's that one dish you can't you can't seem to reach? I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I hate um, the sort of pressure that I feel when I'm trying to cook over easy or over medium eggs. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't ever do it successfully. I just, I, I, I just, I don't, I just. I'm not confident that I'm going to do it right. And I break the yoke often enough um, that that just, I don't like yep. that. Eggs are probably one of my big kitchen confessions as well because I don't eat them. Um, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. So I have, I have bought a dozen eggs solely for the purpose of trying to make my wife eggs that she finds tolerable. And I've, I've, I'm better now. Um, I can poach, I can make an egg sandwich, I can do a scramble, but it took a very long time of me making something, bringing it to her and going, no, these are too brown. And I'd throw them away and make another batch and bring them to her, you know, which I was happy to do because I wanted to learn it. My issue right now is vegetables. Not that I don't eat them, but, um, Uh the difficulty is I have to figure out the, when you're when you're making vegetables, if especially if you're making a multitude of vegetables at the same time, like in a stir fry, different vegetables cook at different speeds. Carrots, those fuckers, take so long to cook. I love roasted you're carrots. Them. They, we do them in the air fryer now. Parmesan olive oil, it's delicious. But when I'm trying to toss them in, and I toss them in with some green pepper or green peppers or some onions or garlic and all of that, the rest of the vegetables are done. And they're they're still crunched to the carrots. So temperature control, managing that. I don't like to use recipes. I find recipes are for baking. This that that's a science. I'm an artist. <laughs> I enjoy cooking and just. But I have to get better at. All right, these certain vegetables will take longer to cook. Let me cook those ten minutes early and then add the other stuff. That's currently what I what I'm battling. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Manson, Nate, Glenn, and Che for your emails. Jeremy, haven't heard from you in a while. Calling you out. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. The last one I see is from May 11th. It's been almost a month, Jeremy. I know you're a busy man. I know you've got a lot going on that you probably don't want me talking about, but I'm excited for you. However, I want an email. I feel entitled to call you out. Banks, I'm calling you out too. Yours is April 27th. Uh, what's your piece of positivity, Doc? What's getting you through the week? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> um, it's like we've never done this before. Yeah, I, I, I've been um, falling into a YouTube hole. Um, there is a channel called Save a Fox. Okay, it's a uh, fox sanctuary. Um, adorable and yeah they have like foxes that have been rescued from fur farms and things like that 
and uh, they have uh, years of videos, you know, going around sharing, you know, treats with the foxes, popsicles, eggs, uh, giving them bark boxes, etc. Very cute. I, I I've been enjoying it very much. I like the foxes. They make the most adorable noises. They I they make like a laughing noise. They almost sound like they're laughing uh, when they make noise. I think that's really neat. Um, so friendly, so fun. Very much like you know dogs. Obviously, belonging to the same sort of genus as dogs and wolves. So very similar. But yeah, I've been enjoying Save a Fox. So Excellent. check him out. Check out Finnegan Fox. He's pretty cool. As is Shadow and the rest. Excellent. What's your piece of positivity, DC? Goodness, goodness, goodness. Um, It was lovely to to get to be an uncle for a while. That's always fun. Having no siblings of my own. Um, I was not an uncle for a very long time. And, you know, now I've got these two little guys that are great. And I'll, I'll go for this moment. Um, we are, you know, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm sitting on the couch up in New Hampshire and I'm, I saw the trailer for black Adam drop. So I start watching that and my four-year-old comes in and he was like, what are you doing? And he like crawls up onto the couch and he sits up on the top of the couch so that we're almost at the same height. And I was like, Oh, just watching a video. And I of course turn it off. Cause I don't know whether or not this black Adam trailer is going to be appropriate. And he's like, I want to watch with you. So I put on, he's big into Encanto right now, as I think most kids are. So I put on a song from Encanto, and he leans over, puts his arm up on my shoulders, puts his head on my head, and we watched, you know, a song from Encanto. And I was just like, that is a cool moment. So that was pretty fun. So I enjoyed getting the chance to uh, not go into work today and be an uncle, which is very different from being a teacher, even though I did teach him how to play hot and cold. So oh, we, spent, yeah, yeah. we spent like half an hour playing hide and seek and we played hot and cold. And the best part is he hasn't figured out that yet that you don't stare directly where you hit it. So he's <laughs> staying hot and cold and he's practically pointing to where the thing is. He's I love that boy. So, yeah, uh, being Uncle DC for uh, for the day was pretty fun. And considering they live 13 hours away, the fact that they now live two and a half hours away is a joyous it is funny because when i first brought up the subject of why were you traveling i called you uncle traveling dc a you know a a reference of course to fraggle rock and uncle traveling matt i had no idea when i asked the question that it was going to be because you were on official uncle business a happy little accident there yeah it was uncle business there you go uh friends we gotta go I got to I got to get my wife this computer so she can go to a very important meeting. She's a very important person, as we all know. Uh, Doc Manson, anything else you have to say before we get out into that good night? I'd like to have your thoughts run in the air. Send us an email podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our back catalog of episodes uh, wherever fine podcasts are offered. And if you like what you've heard, head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT wrestling to give just a little bit of financial support to DC and doc. It does help us keep the lights on and it keeps this podcast train a chug a looking. Thank you for reminding me. I need to go where I find my uh, podcast and check out gentleman villain, the William Regal podcast. I'm sure I'll bring that up in a future episode. He is doc Manson at doc Manson. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Thank you for joining us. Have yourselves a heck of a week until we meet again, my friends. Episode 322, won't you be...
our bestie.